Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. We are in a uh, collection of talks that we started last week, and we're calling it um, very simply the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we're, we're, we're Jesus, he's on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's giving an instruction or a model of how to pray. And in Matthew 6, 19, or 9, rather, the guys at the back were all of a sudden scrambling. The 19, where's 19? He gave us 9. Uh, Matthew 6, 9, it says this, pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, Jesus saying this, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so this is a model that Jesus has given us as followers of Christ to pray. You can also pray this as a prayer, but it's not only just a model of how to pray, but it also shows us um, actually how we can connect with God, how our relationship is with God, how he sees us and who he says he is to us. And, and we actually see God's character. Last week, we looked at the very first part of it. Um, we pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven, uh, and, and how it is actually that it's not just like that God actually says, Jesus says that it's our Father, not like ultimate creator of the universe, ultimate power, but it's actually our Father, that, that, it is, that God is a personal God. That it's the word in Hebrew would have been Abba. So it's not uh, someone far away in heaven that you can never reach, but that actually God is a personal God, that, that he wants a relationship with you. And we said that that actually sets how we approach him because your approach matters. How he says, this is how to approach me matters. And we are to approach him as our father, that he loves us that, um, and, and that we see that he's chosen us that he sought us, uh, that he gave us freedom in Christ, that uh, we have all authority in Christ, that you have a new identity in Christ, that you are a new creation. All things have been passed away, and behold, all things have become new, that God loved you and adopted you, and now you are a child of God. And, and we said last week, this sets our approach, that God is our Father, that God is our Father, He is good, and that our Heavenly Father, He loves you, and that you can have an expectation because He loves you, because you are a child of God, that when you pray to God, when you talk to God, when you commune with God, that God hears and that God is working and that He will only give you what is good. Maybe even some things that you think are good for you but are not good for you, He ain't giving that to you, right? He's gonna give you what is good. Good. Now we're going to focus on the next part, and it's uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. Uh, praying this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I don't know about you, but uh, did you use this in your last weeks, like at work? Like, hallowed, like uh, I personally did. And it's not a word that we use often, hallowed. Um, uh, it, hallowed really means is to keep holy, is to keep holy. In, uh, in Matthew 6, verse 9, in the NLT, it puts it in the more modern form of what we use today. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your name be kept holy. 
Uh, that's really what it is. Hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. Holy in the Greek, uh, that's what the New Testament is written in Greek. Uh, it, it means to be set apart, utterly unique, uh, 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 different from all the rest. That it's set apart, uh, utterly unique and different from all the rest. That God, he's a personal father, but he is also holy. Uh, and that he's set apart, he's utterly unique from all the rest, that no one is like God, that he is utterly unique, that no one else has a, no beginning, no end, that he is all-powerful, that he is the source of all life, all creation. He is holy. He is different than all the rest. God is unique, and that no one compared, can compare to him. But not only is he just separate from the rest, he's not just the weird kid in school, but God is also this, is holy also speaks to this, is, is holy speaks to his completeness and like holistic. I was texting with Jason about this this week, but that holy, really H-O-W, H, what am I spelling? H-O-L-Y, um, it really also speaks of, what was I spelling? Oh my goodness. Um, it also speaks of holy. But W-H-O-L-L-Y, that is holy, it's complete. That holiness is complete. You could say shalom, that, that God is holy. He is, he, is the, he is life. So he is complete life. He, there is nothing missing about him. He is holy life. There is no death in him. Uh, God is, is holy light. He's completely light. There is no darkness within him. James 1.17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, uh, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is consistent. There, he is holy or complete light, if you will. Uh, he is holy love. There's not, there is, the purest form is love, that uh, John, 1 John 4 says that God is love. And so that, with that perfect love, that is God, it casts out fear. See, there's no fear in God's love, that he uh, actually dispels fear. God is holy healing, he's holy provision, he's holy peace. So God is holy, as well as W-H-O-L-L-Y, he is holy what he is. That is what he is. Did you ever like have um, Sunny D as a kid, or like um, just in general? Um, it's it's a it's it's like an orange beverage, right? Like it's an orange drink that you maybe would give to kids. I wouldn't give it to my kids anymore. Um, maybe you give it to your kids. Cool, 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 cool. I'm not commenting on your parenting. Um, but um, is. <laughs> Where am I? I need, like, Natalie says hi from the kids' church. She'd be looking at me like, Josiah, what are you saying right now? But is uh, Sunny D, if you've ever had it, if you want some orange juice, you want some orange juice, you try some Sunny D, it is not orange juice, right? It tastes sugary. It tastes like, mmm what is this? It's not orange juice. It tastes good, but it's not orange juice. There's a lot of additives, right? If you want pure orange juice, you have to like go to, well, I don't think you get any more pure than squeezing an orange and some orange juice. There's vast difference, right? The, the, or, the Sunny D is not holy orange juice, right? It's like, it's orange and some other stuff. Uh, orange juice, well, that's holy orange. But God, if you will, to take this analogy uh, further, he's, he's not even just the orange. He's not just the juice. He's actually the tree, 
right? Like he is completely all of it. He is, he provides everything. He, it's not just something that he does. That is what he is holy, right? Um, God, does that make sense? Like he, bottom line, Josiah, what are you saying? Well, he, I think Josiah said God isn't Sunny D. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but God is holy, that he is, he is the purest of, of form, the complete form of everything. And that he's not just something that he does, that is something that he is. He is holy. He is pure what he is. He is good. That scripture says that God is holy good. That, that God is actually, uh, he is powerful, but complete powerful. He's complete good. And yet as good as God is, yet in stories in the Old Testament, we see people who came in the presence of God who is holy, and they came and they died in his presence because he was holy. Have you ever read that? Like if you read in the Old Testament, you'll see that. Um, question, I thought God was like good. And I don't know if you've ever wondered this, and I, I like to think of it in this way, is, uh, in this metaphor, is that in the solar system, like uh, we have eight planets, right? Uh, uh, we used to have nine. Sorry, Pluto, you got declassified. But uh, we have eight planets. And then there's the sun that is unique from all the other eight. It is unique from all the other eight. All planets revolve around that gravity. Uh, it, it is powerful on Earth. It keeps us from freezing. It makes the plants uh, grow and have life and photosynthesis. Ooh, sun, you're doing good. Uh, and, and you could say in this illustration that within our solar system, the sun is, uh, well, you could say it's holy. It's, it's set apart. It's unique. It's different from all the rest. It's powerful. It's holy. And now to take this example even further is uh, if you decide, okay, I'm going to, I really like the sun. Like, ooh, I like summer. This is my time. Like, yeah, I don't like winter. How am I in Canada? But I like summer. Let's get closer to the sun. So you build a spaceship, you set it off. Somehow you say, listen, Elon, I don't know how long you've been figuring it out, but I figured it out. And you go and you launch off to the sun and you get closer and closer and closer. You know, the closer you get to the sun, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to burn up and you're going to melt away and everything's going to disintegrate. It's not that the sun is, good, is bad, it's that there's, you're, too, you're too close, that you are too close to a good thing. That, that, that the sun, it, it, you can't stand in the sun because you're too close. There's nothing really covering you. The only thing that can be in with the sun really is, well, the sun. And it's, it's the same way that God is he's holy. He's the source of all life. He's powerful. He's the pure, he's the completeness of everything. He's pure God, good. He's love. He's life. And, and the only thing that can be in his presence is that which is holy. That, that which is only set apart for him. And anything that is not holy uh, cannot stand in his presence. Not because God is bad, but because God is too good. And if it's, he's too good, anything that's bad cannot be in his presence because God is holy. He's utterly unique, set apart, all-powerful, and anything that's impure cannot be in his presence. So Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They were in the presence of God. God, they were created by God, for God, for God's purposes. He gave them a plan, a purpose, name the animals, have dominion, uh, multiply, be fruitful, all that fun stuff there. And, and he, he went, and so they were created for God. They were set apart for God. You could actually say they were uh, set apart or even holy for God. 
But then Adam and Eve, of course, they ate a fruit because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to advance their own way. And suddenly they wanted their own purpose. And so no longer were they holy. No longer were they set apart for God. Now they decided my life is for me. And they went their way. They could not stand in the presence of God, uh, not because God is bad, but now because God is too good. And there was impurity in their life. See, there was the great divide there. Uh, Holy God and sinful mankind right? They were impure that a sinful man could not no longer be in the presence of a holy God. You following with me? Uh, and, 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 uh, and just like the sun, if you get too close, well, I can't be in his presence because he is too good. See, there's impurity there that, that, that actually I can't be there. So in the Old Testament, we saw how people could be, how they would actually, though, uh, the high priest would actually be in God's presence once a year. The high priest would go into the inner court. So I thought we were talking about like the Lord's Prayer. Where are you going? I'm going to give you some backstory, but then we'll get there. Is the high priest would go into the uh, inner court, the Holy of Holy. He would go to, whether it was the tabernacle or the temple, he went into the Holy of Holies and he went into the presence of God. Um, and to, sa- to do a sacrifice for sins and to worship God. And in order to do this, he had to be uh, ritually clean. That was like all of Leviticus was pretty much what he had to do to enter in. And if there was anything unclean about him, if he missed a step, like you didn't want a priest who was like dyslexic or something, um, right? He would, that wasn't a good joke apparently, but... Um, They would tie bells and pomegranates to the priest's feet, the high priest's feet. He would go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, resting on the Ark of Covenant, not the Indiana Jones one, but the real one. And and they would rock and pray and and give the the, uh, the, um, offering. They would sprinkle blood. And if they heard the pomegranates stop knocking or the bells stop going, it means that the priest made a mistake and he dropped dead in the presence of a holy God. And so then they had a rope because then they would pull him out. I wonder when they figured out, oh, we probably should attach a rope. <laughs> like, it doesn't say that. Any, like, uh, which guy was it that they're like, okay, next year we're going to have a rope and you also need to bring someone out. Um, but God is holy. God is holy and there's a sinful man. And, and you could not, uh, 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 but you could not go into God's presence because he is completely holy holy. However, this is a good however. However, God interrupted. God interrupted the story. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that now God in flesh came to earth, take your place, my place, die on the cross so now that we can actually be made right with God. That 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins because the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid the price for sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So now we are made right with Christ. Now we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need to a holy God. That that now we can actually have him as our heavenly father. Now he can abide with us. Now he never, God never leaves us or forsakes us. Now we can, Jesus can say, abide in me as I abide in him because of Jesus. See, did, did God lose his holiness? No, he didn't. 
See, God did not lose his holiness. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is just as holy as when some people who were unclean went in his presence and died. Like one dude was carrying an ark and the ark was on a cart and the ark was about to fall. He reached out to like do a good thing and stop it from falling. He touched the ark, which was the presence of God, and he died. Whoa, that's crazy. But now, because Jesus, we have now been made the righteousness of God, that we can stand in the presence of a holy God, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need, that we can now call God, as Jesus said in the first part of what is now known as the Lord's Prayer, our Father, that you are now a son or a daughter of God, that we can abide in him. You are part of God's family. And God, who is Father, who is our Heavenly Father, He is also holy. He is also holy. So why does Jesus say, pray this way, may uh, may your name be kept holy, or hallowed be your name? Like, God doesn't need our help for him to be kept kept holy. God doesn't need that. Have Have you ever gotten something new, and you were, like, super careful? Like, maybe you got a new car or, like, a new-to-you car, and you're like, this thing is special. Like, when I'm parking this, we're not even parking at Costco. We're parking in our front pad, and we're walking to Costco because no one's going to ding this door, right? Like, uh, there is no drinking. There is no eating. Uh, You better, if you come into the car, you better do the click, click, because there is no dirt coming into this car. It is good. It is, this is a special thing. This is amazing. Do you know the price that we paid for this? Do you see the shine on it? This is a good car. So you start out, okay, this is good. But then eventually, in the day-to-day, eventually you start just, this is the car I drive to work and back. This is the car I go to, well, now Costco and back. And, uh, and you start to get familiar with the car. The once the car that was special, that, whoa, 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 careful, whoa, 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 don't put your feet there, is now you start to get familiar with it. And, and, and you suddenly, it's like, oh, today's a hot day. Today's a hot day. You know what? Well, maybe just this one time we'll get a Slurpee. And then suddenly, the next thing you know, you're eating like a, uh, like a double quarter pounder and you've got greasy hands on the steering wheel that you said to your children, don't even look at that steering wheel. This is special. And suddenly, now you're driving around with a coffee cup in the coffee holder without a lid and you went over a speed bump. Why? Oh, because... Familiarity can lead to treating something special as common. See, I think we can become familiar with God and then suddenly treat a holy God as common. That, that, uh, that God who is holy, we can treat him as common uh, just like everything else because we're so used to him being there with us. Because, okay, God says something, now it's like another opinion, or I'll take that into counsel of what everything else that I hear. My time with God becomes just another thing on my calendar and another thing to meet. You know, uh, uh, going to church is just another part of my life, or God, when I can, I'll squeeze you in. And we actually see here what happens when, when those things that are holy, we then start to treat as common because of familiarity. In uh, Matthew uh, thirteen fifty three, 
Uh, there is a 53 in Matthew. Uh, Matthew uh, 13, 53, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, what did this man, uh, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, is not uh, his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, different Judas, uh, and his sisters, uh, are they not among us? Were, uh, were that, uh, them, then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not with, uh, without honor except in his hometown and his own household. And he, Jesus, did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. But what I find interesting is that they were familiar with Jesus. They were so familiar with Jesus that they treated him as just another common person. And because they treated him as another common person, they didn't experience the fullness of what the Lord could do. That, that you know, in, in the presence of Jesus, God in flesh, they were there. Sometimes, I don't know if you ever thought, but man, what would it be like, like Jesus, like right here, like pass him on the street, ooh, to be in Bible times. Well, there, the people in Bible times, some of them were so familiar, be like, oh, I grew up with him, I'm familiar with him, uh, and so then they treated him as common, and the scripture says that he only healed some. So their familiarity stopped them from receiving what God had for them. See, God will never leave you or forsake you. He's always with you. You can come boldly before the throne of grace. Um, but yet, we can become familiar with him. I personally, I never want, my heart is that I would never fall into treating what is holy as common. But I think it's easy to do. Because you do life. God's there with you. And you can just get used to, God, you're there with me. And you start to... Well, treat him as common. Treat him as he's always there with me. Yeah, you're there. You're there. But our first line in, that, in the prayer is, our Father, he's personal, he loves you. But in the same breath, the same opening, he says, and he is holy, and he is holy. In Matthew 6, 9, again, it says, our Father, who is in heaven, holy, May your name be kept holy. Hallowed be your name. In, I, I think it's really a prayer of this. is In my life, God, may your name be kept holy. In my life, God, may your name be kept holy. May your closeness, your faithfulness, your long-suffering, your enduring love never cause me to treat you as common, but still to keep you as holy still to keep you as holy and not take you for granted and treat you as common. How do we respond to a God who is a personal, heavenly Father, who is always there, and yet in the same breath, He is holy, and we are to keep His name holy? How do we keep His name holy in our life? I think we, in the, in the temple with the priests where they sacrificed, I think it was a type and a shadow of what we actually get to do now. That Jesus, he died, rose again once and for all. So no longer do there need to be bulls and goats and all these things like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I could be a pastor if I had to be doing all that stuff. I'm not good with blood. Um, that's why I do catch and release fishing. Um, 
See, now you're alive in him. You're alive in him. You're set apart for God. But how do we respond to a heavenly father who is holy? I think we see it in Romans 12.1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That we, our lives, are to be a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It is, another translation says, it is your acceptable form of worship. See, how do we respond to a God who is holy, who loves you? Is this our response to a father who loves us, who is always there for us and is holy, is for our lives to be set apart and to worship him. For our lives to be worship him, to worship him. And I'm not talking about that we all like, you know, suddenly go to like a monastery in the hills and we like do Gregorian chants. I'm sure your Gregorian chant would be awesome, but I'm not talking about that. But as Romans 12, 1 says, is that a living sacrifice, that your daily life would be as if a sacrifice unto God, a form of worship unto God, that your daily living is a sacrifice unto God. As Colossians says that in everything you do, do unto the Lord. In everything I do. So when I uh, say, okay, all I'm doing today, Lord, this is unto you, this is set apart. This is actually for you. What Really, what, what is that definition? That is also that the definition of holy. God, this is set apart for you. My life and what I'm doing in the day to day is set apart for you. That, that, that everything that I do is for you. Now, one expression of this is what we did just before I came up is, is worship and singing all together. That it's not just singing songs, that it's scriptural, that as we worship together in song, that it is powerful, that as we see in the book of Acts, as they worship and sang hymns, that chains were broken, prisons, doors uh, broke open. Uh, It is God's idea to sing about God, that as scripture says, raising holy hands, like your hands are holy when you're raising it to him. Um, But also, that's one form of expression of worship, but also working unto the Lord is worship. So what you do in your day-to-day, every form is worship. That, uh, that, uh, that it's holy to God. That, uh, God, may your name be kept holy as I am a barista. God, may your name be kept holy as I'm doing accounting. God, may your name be kept holy as I'm pouring concrete. God, may your name be kept holy as I am raising these kids. See, everything you do as you do unto the Lord then is holy worship. It is a sacrifice to him. It is our right response to him when we say every part that I'm doing, it is unto you that it is holy, that, uh, that as I'm cooking dinner, that can be a, 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 a holy cooking dinner. It, it is holy, it is set apart for you, that as you talk with people, that it is a form, it can be a form of worship, that as I'm just having, and it doesn't even have to be about him, bonus if it is, but if you're just how you're, you're speaking to people, can be unto him, and that is a form of worship, that as you're serving in church, that is a form of worship, as you're raising your kids, as you're training you're, you're like two-year-old to be potty trained. That can be a form of worship when it's done to him. Holy worship. When your life and every part of your life, 
Not just Sundays, not just one or two hours, not even just those 15 minutes in the morning. But when your whole life you say, God, what I am doing today is worship to you. I'm doing everything unto you. That is our reasonable response, our reasonable form of worship. That, God, I'm going to separate this and may your name be kept holy in everything that I'm doing. May your name be kept everything holy. And I think another way is when God says something, when it's his word or to your heart, that it's separate above the rest. That it's not just, uh, uh, I'll take this under, under consideration. It's actually above. It's separate than what I see going on around me. It's separate and above. It's holy above what I'm feeling or what I say that I'm not going to lump it in with the rest of suggestions or treat what you've said as, as common. But God, I'm going to treat it as holy. It, it, it has precedence above what I'm experiencing, above what I'm seeing, because you are holy. And, and as you follow it, what he's said, that is worship to God. God, what, may your name be kept holy in, in my living this out. It's worship. My life, a living sacrifice, holy to God, because he loves me. And you don't do this by might. You don't do this by enough willpower. You don't do it by, your, by anything except by the Spirit of God empowering you. That every part of your life done unto him is worship. It can't be done by just you deciding, okay, every part. I think that's why maybe Jesus said, okay, and pray with this name. Uh, and pray in this way, hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy in my life because you can't do that on your own. You need the Lord to empower you to live every part of your life as a worship to him. That is not on you, uh, that it's actually God will empower you to live a, 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 a life of worship. And, and, and then anything that I cannot do unto God in worship is not worth doing. I, I, I can't lie unto God. I can't gossip unto God. I can't seek my own and my own interests unto God. See, anything I can't do, it, I, it's not worth doing. Instead, focus all I do in my life is a response to a God who says, I'm your father but I am holy. And, and in doing so, let my life be of worship to you. And in doing that, I'm keeping your name holy. I'm keeping your name holy. Lord, in my life, I'm keeping your name holy. And like I said, we need prayer for that. God, help me. Help me keep your name holy. I, I need help God daily to do that as a living sacrifice. Why don't we stand? Father, I just thank you so much that we can call you Father, that we are children of God. And if children, like your word says, that we are co-heirs with Christ and that we can come with an expectation to you, Lord, I pray that your name may be kept holy in our lives, that your name may be kept holy in our lives, that our lives would be worship unto you, that every part of our life, Lord, that it would be worship to you, 
not to our self-interest or our self-advance, but Lord, in a response to who you are. That you've loved us, that you, you gave your best Jesus for us. You loved us first. And in response, empowered by your spirit, every part of our life is set aside for you, is worship to you. So Lord, we ask today that you help us, you empower us by your spirit to keep your name holy in our lives. That everything we do from the time we wake to the time we go to sleep would be for you. In the mundane, in the normalcy of just life, and even in the the craziness of life. Lord, let it be done unto you. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.